ได้แก่ดับเสร็จตาสิสิสิเ
they're done to them. Better the little children to come to me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Now the question has been placed, why was Jesus so displeased and why did he rebuke his disciples? After all, they were but doing what they thought right and proper and doing it in all likelihood in consideration for their master. They couldn't see why he was to be engaged in such work as this, which, according to their view of things, couldn't profit anyone. Why did he rebuke them so severely? Why was he so displeased? answer to the question is this. There was something which the disciples failed to learn and which they ought to have learned. And that is that the blessings which Jesus came to bestow upon men was not confined to the healing of their bodies or to the instruction of their minds. Certainly he did that. And certainly that was good in its place. The disciples were in danger of confining the blessings that Jesus came to bestow on them to healing and instruction. The instruction, of course, leading to eternal life. You can put it high as high as you like.
and we must remember that the greatest blessing that can come from healing of body or instruction of mind is to bring us into contact with the person of the living Savior. It is when we are brought into personal contact with the fact at the fountain of life that we can be benefited from any other privilege or blessing we may receive. But distinct from the blessings which these infants receive for themselves, whatever it was, I am sure I don't know. But I am equally sure that it was a blessing for them that the Savior took them up in his arms and laid his hand upon them. But distinguished from this, we have the lesson of our text. Verily, I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall, in, he shall not enter therein. A comparison is here instituted. And it is perfectly clear and plain in its general scope. But when we come to analyze it further, we are met with difficulties, if not with perfection. What did Jesus mean when he said, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not better therein. Again, we remind ourselves that there is a comparison instituted. That is to say, the meaning is in the first place, not of course that the kingdom of God is made up of none but little children. to get the full force of the word, we should read them somewhat as follows. But the kingdom of God is not, is not exclusively for children, whatever it is may be of that time. Not for children exclusively, but for the childlike. Not for children, but for the childlike. That's the comparison. And it is at the back. None but those who are made to be childlike can enter into the kingdom of God. And here now the difficulties begin to present themselves. In what sense are those who are to enter into the kingdom of God to be like children? 
the various answers have been returned to that question. Some would say that uh, the meaning is that unless one is uh, like a child in innocence, one may not enter into the kingdom of God. Now it is hardly necessary for me to say here, but I have said it often enough, that we do not believe that children are innocent in one sense. They are innocent, of course, of actual personal transgression, for the simple reason that they are incapable of independent action. But they are not innocent in the sense that they have no guilt. For the end of life, under the guilt of Adam's first sin, the end of life corrupted in Israel. And in that sense, they are not innocent. But even if we confine our turn to the other aspect of innocence which we mentioned, that they are innocent of any personal, actual transgression, that would clash with all that we read of those who enter into the kingdom of God. For Christ himself tells us in express and explicit terms that he came not to call the innocent, not to call the righteous, but in order to repent is not those who are innocent or those who feel themselves to be innocent who enter into the kingdom of God. Far, far from So the comparison doesn't hold there. Now let us say that those who enter into the kingdom of God must become like children in humility. And it is true that no one will enter the kingdom of God but those who are humbled under the mighty hand of God. We are to be like children in humility. But the question arises. Children humble as a rule. The answer is no. There is no one in the world more egotistic than a young child. Immediately he begins to act. He is anything but humble. He wants all attention for himself. He wants to be the center of attraction. And he goes to great length in order to receive this attention. Is that the mark of the truth of humility? Oh no. But at this age he is artless enough not to conceal what he is after. He is after a flaw. 
and he throws up his feet to same applause, but he tries to hide that this is what he has in view. But this is what he had in view from the beginning. And as he said, the ordinary child, and I'm sure these children were not any different from others, could not be taken as examples of humility. Nothing so alien to its nature as to become 
dependent on someone else. He wants to be self-sufficient. He wants to work his way to heaven if there is a heaven. So the master of man argues within himself. But to become like a little child, that is further from its fall. But the words of the barrier admit of but one interpretation. It is not that it is difficult for those who insist on their own independence, who stand fast on their own sufficiency. It is not that it is difficult for them to enter into heaven, but it is utterly and eternally impossible. Such a transaction would violate the societies of the eternal and the divine Lord It would be entirely against the requirements of the nature of God. Of such, of such a sad such as have realized that this is something they cannot do for themselves. They are entirely in the hands of another to be disposed of at his sovereign pleasure. But the child is dependent on the goodwill and the benevolence of his guardian to rear it to man who can do a thing. No, there is nothing more helpless. If there is anything as helpless as a newborn infant, helpless can do anything for it. And the only expression of life in that, in that perspective, is that it will drink what is given to it. Now, precisely the same, uh, in the of pain of the spiritual days, of those who would enter into the kingdom of heaven. the time of life. This is the truth of life. That they see what is given them. Mm. This, as you know, might be the first indication of uh, the difference between a living and a dead A living infant will drink the milk. The dead infant 
certain means of it and to follow him. Even when he enters the kingdom of God, and I think that to say I don't mean the kingdom of heaven, but if the heavenly inheritance by the kingdom of God, I mean the kingdom of grace in this world to enter it. It is to remain with him throughout his sojourn in the kingdom of grace, and he is only to get rid of it when he enters the kingdom of glory. The least remnant of it will not enter. For there shall not enter therein anything that defileth or that maketh a lie. The kingdom of God. Now what is the kingdom of God? And we have suggested that already. <clears throat> he who is brought to like a little child enters the kingdom of God. That is not what we said. The kingdom of glory. It is the kingdom of grace. In this life that is in view first. And the kingdom of grace consists not in meats and in drinks. Not in abstaining from this or practicing that. The kingdom of God consists in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Most the very nature of the kingdom militates against the continuance of a spirit of pride or a spirit that is not childlike. Childlike in the sense of being dependent. The kingdom of God is best limited against that. Why? Because it is first righteousness. What righteousness? Certainly not the righteousness of man. Not the personal inherent righteousness of those who enter the kingdom. But they enter in the righteousness of another. And that very righteousness shows them clearly what their own righteousness is. That their own righteousness is a simply right. We said that the, the knowledge of sin is by the law. <clears throat> But not necessarily by the law, as it comes to us in the form of law. It may come to us clothed in the gospel. And of course that is what the gospel is. The gospel is Christ. For Christ is the form of the gospel. What Christ? The Christ who fulfilled the law. Who magnified it. 
won't want anyone around depending on them. They have other ideas of propriety. What right then has anyone to depend wholly and entirely and all the time? On Christ is what right has anyone to do that? Well, he has this right. If there's hell, he has this water. The warrant of Christ's own word. It is he who says, Come up to me and rest. Now, I take it that the word rest there means, or includes in it this idea, Lean upon me. Lean heavily. Lean upon me all the time. I am able to sustain. I am able to afford. It is the warrant of his own word. And in order to prove the genuineness, the faithfulness, the unchangeableness of that word, he says in effect, take this, take this. What is that? The righteousness which is his own. Take it as your righteousness. Take him as your sanctification and as your redemption. And then he will indeed be to you the power of God and the wisdom of God. Except whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, as having nothing but what he receives, as having nothing in which he can stand in his own right, or by his own merit, whosoever will not receive the kingdom in this way, shall not enter there is. Now you can, you can be thinking of this yourself. You say, having nothing of his own, yes, exactly. Having nothing of your own by way of wisdom. <clears throat> Depending upon him for what he will teach you. Having nothing of your own by way of sacrifice to satisfy divine justice. Depending on him to do this for you. Having no strength of your own to overcome your enemies, but depending upon him to fight your battles. Not of course without you, when you couldn't appreciate the battle of the victory, but to fight in you and by you. And so leading you to the kingdom, keep you in the kingdom. Until 
they will put you in possession of the inheritance undefiled, incorruptible, and that faith not away. Our little child, how different from man's conception. Nobody ever thought of this, and nobody ever will. That the way into the kingdom of God is to have nothing. Now this can't be overemphasized. If that word were, were, were um, if it were lawful to use the word qualification, and I don't mean qualification in the sense of marriage or right, but preparation. The preparation to enter into the kingdom of God is to have nothing whatsoever. Nothing whatsoever of the Lord. But that we should receive what God freely gives for his own name's sake. Not for who sake at all, but for his own name's sake. That is indeed becoming like a little child, having depending on his hand to feed you, on his goodness to clothe you, on his power to defend you, and do this by the faith which is his gift. Verily, no wonder that he rebuked the disciples. He knew there was something more to be done to children and to others to bring them into the kingdom than merely to heal their bodies and instructed minds. That is good and proper in its own place. But there's something more. Something has to be worked inside. And what has to be worked is the childlike disposition that is willing to take all from the hand of God without money and without price. Let us pray. Oh, blessed one, may thy blessing be upon us. The blessing that enriches and to which the waters most hurtful. The blessing of being brought into the kingdom. But only those who are childlike in spirit come in. Do thou thyself work in us to this end. Take away our sins for thy name's sake. Amen.